So that is our Christmas carol we're going to look at today. Um, I'd like to ask you to just take a moment and picture with me. When somebody wants to make a grand announcement in our world today, what do they do? Think of the president, the, you know, the governor, the mayor, could be an important business person, a, a small business owner. What do they do? They put the word out to the news media, right? They call what we, we know as what? A press conference, right? So um, usually when somebody calls a press conference, they're surrounding themselves with those who are important, are they not? They kind of, even if it's just window dressing, right? How many times have you seen the press conferences where you just got some, some good-looking people in the background, right? But they're usually kind of important. They're dignitaries. They're all that sort of thing. Um, that's how the world likes to announce important things. And I mentioned that to you today just to kind of put that in your mind because that is an exact sort of contrast, isn't it, to how God announced probably one of the most if not the most important things that ever happened to this earth. He didn't call a press conference of the most important people. In fact, he went to those who probably were, by all accounts, the lowest rung on the societal ladder. And he did this grand, superfluous maybe, right? Just over-the-top announcement of the arrival of his son, Jesus Christ. The reason we're going to look at that today is we're going to look at it through this lens here, is God rest ye, merry gentlemen. We don't really know who wrote the song. Uh, There's many people that uh, have kind of tried to ascribe it to one person or another, but it's most likely a compilation of several different phrases that kind of happened uh, all the way back maybe to the 1500s, in fact. So it's another old Christmas carol. It stood the test of time. And uh, 1760 is a common date where it was kind of compiled and put together. Um, But it's an interesting story in that it tells the Christmas story, right? And we really only put together uh, a few of the verses. There's many verses to our Christmas carol that we could have been singing. uh, But we really only put together a few verses of it. But apart from the words, before I get into the words of the carol... I'd like to just talk about the context of the carol, because I think it's important that we understand the context of the carol. When it says, God rest ye merry gentlemen, we need to understand that the word gentleman is not necessarily a term that's related to gender, all right? It's not somebody's personhood in that regard. Gentlemen, anybody ever watch Masterpiece Theater? All right, if you ever watch Masterpiece Theater on PBS and you see any show that's dated in the 17th century or 18th century, you might hear this phrase of gentleman. And the idea is that it's nobility. Gentleman is a term of high society. And it was in contrast to those who were on the other end of the spectrum. So gentleman here is not necessarily to be referred to as personhood or gender, but a term of high society. And you can think of it as Christmas carolers, just getting this picture in your head, singing to those who are in high society, potentially looking for alms, looking for handouts, that sort of thing, right? So get this picture in your head. You've got Christmas carolers saying, God rest ye merry gentlemen, and, and they go out and they're, and they're just looking for some support and to bring cheer and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, right? So that's the picture that you want to get in your head of what's going on with this particular carol. But the story, the context of the song 
also sets up the words that we sing in the song. And that's what I really want to point out to you. This week, my family and I, we went to Jiva Theater on Thursday, and we saw Charles Dickens' uh, A Christmas Carol. Uh, It was a fantastic show. We hadn't been in a couple of years, and our youngest kids hadn't seen it yet. So we went and looked at it, uh, or saw it, and uh, enjoyed it. It was a different rendition, uh, a little bit more music in it than I remember being a a stage play, and uh, it was fun. They uh, adapted it really nicely with some modern uh, technology as well. So uh, if you have a chance and you want to go see it, it's a really good rendition of it this year. But early on, you might remember... There are some Christmas carolers that are coming around to uh, Ebenezer Scrooge's office and they're running around outside and then in this particular play he opens the door and these carolers rush right in and what are they singing? God rest ye merry gentlemen and, and you know, Scrooge early on. Anybody seen? You know what I'm talking about, Scrooge? All right, you're you're kind of looking at me like, where's this going? I, it'll get there. Follow me, alright? So Ebenezer Scrooge, you know, he doesn't really want to hear him, does he? He doesn't really care about Christmas, and he's having a really bah humbug kind of time, right? It's just that's where he goes with that, right? And he ushers them out, and then there's this one scene in the the play where this kid is rushing out the door, and he just stands back defiantly, and he sings back, and, oh, tidings of comfort and joy, and he just looks at Scrooge, and Scrooge doesn't know what to do with that. And it it was fun. It was an interesting way to look at this song. Because I knew we were singing it. I knew we were going to do it this Sunday. And it just reminded me. That's, that's the context. Carolers singing to somebody who had means, who had wealth. But the story itself, the words itself, begin to tell the story. The Christmas story. Who was Jesus coming for? And who was it going to be announced to? But none other than the shepherds. As I was considering this message this morning, I started to reflect a little bit. Some of you who lived in Rochester might remember something called the Tent City a couple of years ago. Uh, the Tent City is where many, several, not, not a ton, but several of our chronically homeless men and even some women set up camp within the city uh, and lived there year-round. And there are outdoor tents and, and there was a battle a couple of years ago with the city of Rochester because uh, they were camping on theoretically private land. It was owned by Spectrum. And um, Spectrum didn't want them there. There was liability issues there. There were people all throughout the city who were struggling, kind of the optics, 490, driving by, seeing the tent city. So the, the city was concerned about the optics of it. There was this legal issue and all this sort of thing. And But the, the advocates for the homeless said there's There's nowhere for them to go. There's not enough beds in our community. And that is and remains a struggle here in the city of Rochester. We have a lot of homeless men, women, children. And we don't have a lot of beds for them. So what did the city do? Long story short, the city ended up bulldozing this tent city and getting rid of all this stuff. uh, All the, the things that had been accumulated there and destroyed the tents and cleaned up that particular location and forced... Uh, these men and women to go into shelters because theoretically that was better for them than living outside in the cold. I'm not going to talk about the right or wrongness of that. The reason that my mind went to that particular scene is that the shepherds, we need to understand, were much like 
in their day are homeless men, women, and children. Shepherds were largely homeless in their day and age. Uh, they were wanderers. They were nomadic in some sense, right? They, they didn't necessarily have a lot of belongings. And having worked with homeless men and women and children for many years in my life, I recognize that there's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of crossover with these shepherds and our current homeless population. So it made me think, like, who would God announce the arrival of Jesus to in our day and age? I'd love to think that he would show up here, uh, you know, in, in our congregation, and that, that we love him enough that he would find it worthy to come in and announce that we would believe that he had arrived. I'd love to believe that. That's a question that really only you can answer on your own, whether, and, and I've been wrestling with it myself. Would I, would I listen? Would I be open? Um, this is the, the phrase in this song that we sing, from God our Heavenly Father a blessed angel came and unto certain shepherds brought tidings of the same. How that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name. And the question that I have is, who's listening? Who's listening today? Who was listening back then? Would it be necessary to go to folks that nobody else would think would listen? But they would be and have the most attentive ears to hear. And I think the reality is that Sometimes in our lives we have so many things going on, so much to distract us, so much that's working against us, whether it's the holiday itself, whether it's the need to purchase gifts and plan for and look at all the different ways we're going to gather together and all the meetings and all the different, and even some church services thrown in there, all that stuff. Where does the message of Christmas fit in the holiday of Christmas? And who's actually listening to that particular message? Jesus, God, I think, announced the arrival of Jesus to those who had ears to hear. That's a phrase that you hear a little bit in the New Testament. It comes from the Old Testament. He who has ears to hear, let him hear, right? I mean, let him take heed, let him take action on what it is that their hearing in that moment. The shepherds were available. The shepherds were listening. In fact, it made me think a little bit about the sheep in the pastures, right? The sheep, I don't know if you know this, but sheep are are known for their tremendous hearing. In fact, they don't have very good eyesight. Anybody that has studied sheep, I read this a, a little bit, did some more research. I've done some research in the past on this and and sheep can't really see very far in front of them. They have great peripheral vision. They could see almost behind them by looking forward, but they can't, they don't have any depth perception. They really largely follow and move by the sound of hearing. Their hearing is precise. And if you think about the shepherds listening, you think about the shepherds having that keen sense of hearing, it reminds me a little bit of what it's like to be the sheep. Because God is that great shepherd. And are we the sheep that can hear his voice. This is a picture of a a modern-day shepherd. There are shepherds all over the the world even today, but they oftentimes are not regarded very highly in many societies. 
Um, but notice the, the sheep following. The sheep are so attuned to the shepherd's voice that they know exactly who to trust. And it is said that if you ever want to know a counterfeit, you should study the real thing so well that you can recognize a counterfeit because it doesn't look like the real thing. But you don't study counterfeit stuff. You study the real thing so well that you can recognize it just in a moment's notice because you know it's not like the real thing. I think that's how sheep have their ears tuned. And I think to a certain extent that's what God was looking for when he announced his arrival. Who's listening? Who wants to hear this message? Who has been waiting? Who is open to hear this good news? Let me go and talk to them. After all, Jesus was coming to be the good shepherd, wasn't he? Jesus was coming into the world to revive this picture of what it meant to be a shepherd because by Jesus' time, the idea of being a shepherd had really sunk down to one of the lowest levels of societal understanding. Like, they, they just didn't matter much. They existed, but they didn't matter much. Again, kind of reminding me a little bit of our homeless men, women, and children in our society. They exist, but sometimes we feel like it might be better off if we don't see them much because they make us uncomfortable. That's not what Jesus did. That's not who Jesus was. There's an article that I read this week by the author Chris Chris Candia. And he says, God turns up in all the wrong places at Christmas time. And uh, basically, he describes how the shepherds in that era were considered untrustworthy and regarded as unclean, homeless strangers. And I think it's interesting to think about that, because every year when we read this Christmas story, I think we associate the shepherds with Mary and Joseph. We get this image in our head through manger scenes and other sorts of things that the, the, the shepherds are just a part of the story, right? They got all along, they, they had a great time, and... Um, They were just part of the scene. And I think it would be important to maybe draw some contrasts here to say that maybe that wasn't exactly what was going on there. I think, first of all, we need to remember that Joseph was a carpenter. A carpenter was a skilled trade that would have have carried some status. So you think of the idea of somebody that had some status. And um, he would have also viewed shepherds. A little bit suspect. Okay, so the shepherds were somebody already in Joseph's mind that were a little bit suspect, whether they were unclean ceremonially or just unclean or just unfit. So you got that going on. Second thing we need to remember is that they were in a, a second-class room situation, right? They were traveling. They were in a foreign place, in a place that wasn't comfortable. So they're already on edge. And Mary's giving birth, or has has just given birth. You can imagine the chaos. Anybody that's ever been around birth, just there's chaos. I can just tell you there's chaos, right? And that's in a clean, sterile environment. We're not talking about unclean, unsterile, not at home, not in my surroundings, traveling, don't know who to talk to, don't know where to go, don't know who to turn to. Joseph is on edge. Mary is overwhelmed with birth and That's the scene that's going on here. We need to remember that the shepherds are walking into something that was not settled. 
Not only all of that, but again, they're in this foreign place. It's uncomfortable at best. With all the stress that's going on, just imagine Joseph and how stressed he is. And here come these shepherds. Here come the shepherds. They're surrounded by awful smells and unsanitary conditions. They were visited by people that were not clean, by normal stretch, normal understanding. They were, I'm sure, not just chumming it up, right? They weren't just, Joseph wasn't slapping their backsides and saying, Hey, welcome, it's good to have everybody. It's good to see you. Come on in. It's just important to understand the scene here, right? Because I think sometimes it's a little bit too bucolic, right? A little bit too nice. These were shepherds. These were folks that were kind of the castaways. And yet God announces the arrival to them. I want you to notice how Jesus' family, Mary and Joseph, received them. It doesn't say that they turned them away. It doesn't say that they even struggled to receive them, even though we might infer that by what we know of the situation. They received them. They welcomed them in. And the shepherds shared all that had happened. And you can just imagine the, the sharing and the testimonies and the different things that were going on and the transformation that was occurring and Mary just kind of taking it all in like, oh my goodness, what? This is just more, I don't even know. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know where to go with it. Incredible, incredible stuff. And I think that for me, the idea of announcing his arrival to the shepherds reminds us of the role that we play in making sure that the good news reaches the ears of everyone who wants to hear But not only that it reaches it, but that we here as a church are welcoming each and every person who has ears to hear. I want our church, and I believe that the church is called to be a place where people need to be welcomed. And they need to encounter the God that is moving upon their hearts. Remembering that this church is God's church. It's not our church. We are His people. We are the sheep of His pasture. Just as He announced His arrival to those who might not have, we might not have expected Him to, they could show up here at any point in time. Would we welcome them in? Would we receive them? Would we listen to their stories? Would we understand that there's more to this story than what we might see or hear or taste or touch even just among us? Are we listening? I think that becomes the predominant question for us today. The carol and this part of the Christmas story, that part that says that God came for everyone, not just those in high society, it reveals something to us. It reveals that God came to those who are overlooked or overworked, the outcasts, the lost, those who are kind of on the fringes. That's who Jesus came for. Yes, He came for you and for me as well. But we need to look at ourselves as one and not other. You could see this coming, right? You could see some of this coming throughout the Old Testament. If you look back in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. 
you get the idea that already there is this picture all throughout Scripture of Jesus being this good shepherd. We read about it again in Ezekiel uh, chapter 34, verses 11 through 16. It, it talks in there about God being the good shepherd that will go after those who are lost, the weak, the vulnerable, those who have been cast aside, those who have been left behind by the religious elite, those who are looking but couldn't get access to. Jesus says, I'm going to, God says, I'm going to go after them. I'm going to search for them. I'm going to find them. I'm going to get them. I'm going to bring them in. I'm going to bind up their wounds. I'm going to heal the brokenhearted. I'm going to take care of them. In Luke chapter 15, verses 3 through 8, we read about the parable. Jesus drawing on this same imagery from Ezekiel chapter 34, this imagery of the parable of the lost sheep. There's 99 other sheep that are doing well, but Jesus, the, the shepherd, he goes after that one sheep that is lost. He's looking for that one lost person. That's the image throughout Scripture that we have of this idea of the Good Shepherd. Are you lost today? Are you searching? Are you looking? Are you wandering? Because there's a shepherd out there looking just for you. Have you strayed away from your faith? Have you been looking for it in all the wrong places? Because there's a God who's looking just for you. And this carol and these verses remind us that he wants to announce that glorious coming just to us. He wants to announce it for our joy and benefit. I read an excerpt this week from a, a story, a bi- or not a Bible, but a, a book uh, called Could You Handle Modern Day Life as a Shepherd? And it was written by James Rebanks and it was published in 2015. He grew up in northwest England uh, and he tells the story of how awful it was to grow up as a shepherd and how uh, many teachers and others who are higher society and others would try to get them to, to switch professions and get educated and move out of it because it was, they just deemed being a shepherd and being a farmer as such low status. And so they were constantly trying to get him to move out from that. And he, he never left it. He was generationally a farmer and a shepherd and he enjoyed it. But he tells in there just briefly, he says, um, of his dad, he says, My dad would be gutted if he lost a lamb. It would hang over him like a gray cloud until he had put things right by saving others. This is in modern England. The idea, the depth that a shepherd would go to to care for his flock. And the idea then resonates a little bit for us of what it might be like, what Jesus is talking about with the parable of the lost sheep. Let me read for you from Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 2 through 4. Because this is in contrast to Jesus as the good shepherd. He was talking about those who had come, but had not fulfilled their role and their duty. And he says this, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds and clothe yourselves with the wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. And into that, God sent His Son, Jesus, to be 
the good shepherd. To restore what it meant to be a good shepherd. Because God wants none of that. God wants none of that carelessness for those who need him the most. It's to those individuals, in fact, that he announces his arrival. He says, my son has been born. Go see him. Go see him because he's here for you. He's here for me. Today, he's here for us. That's who Jesus came for. The poor, the overworked, the overlooked, the beat down, the tired, the sick, the unemployed, the unemployable, the abnormal, the blue collar. All of us can find ourselves somewhere in that story. And he doesn't give up, he says in Luke, until he finds us. He doesn't give up till he finds us. So maybe you don't find yourself quite in that situation today, but maybe you know somebody who is. Maybe you're in that situation. But let's be looking. Let's be on the lookout this holiday season to figure out who it is that that message needs to be shared with. Who is God trying to reach and who of us is listening and who will then tell that good news and give that testimony that Jesus Christ is born. Jesus Christ is alive. He was real. He was as real as you and I. Because somebody needs to hear that message today. We sang the last verse of this carol. Now to the Lord sing praises all you within this place, and with true love and brotherhood each other now embrace. This holy tide of Christmas all other doth deface. This carol ends with this idea of brotherhood and oneness and unity and sharing the good news to those who actually could benefit from it, who are listening for it, who are looking for it. So, share the good news. Share that good news today with everyone, especially those the rest of the world might not. Amen?